1: Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On this episode of Sound Reasoning, we wanted to continue our discourse on the study of the church, ecclesiology, the study of the church. What is the church? Why um, do we consider the church different than the world? What's the function of the church? Uh, What is God's perception of the church globally, as well as locally. And we've been dealing with, as the first segment, we've been dealing with the leadership within the church, those people that God has called to serve us in leadership positions. And if we are to be clear, the question is, who are these leaders and what are they supposed to do? And we've uh, dealt with a variety of uh, leadership distinctions uh, for today, we wanted to continue the position of, of pastors. Pastors, uh, the word pastor, as we said before, is derived from the Greek word poimen and is translated as a shepherd, one who leads. But it's important that we realize that um, the pastors are leading God's people. It's not our church. It's God's church. It's not the pastor's church. It's God's church. It's not the bishop's church. It's God's people. And we um in leadership must understand what we've been called for. And if you are a pastor, your position is not to give the people what you think. Your position is not to give the people your preferences your position is not to give God's people your personal ideologies or pedagogies your position is to lead God's people to God to point them toward God to feed God's people what God is giving you to feed them it's not our church. It is God's church. It's not the leader's church. It is God's church. It's not the Pew's church. It's God's church. And God has given us parameters by which to serve. If you are blessed enough to be in a leadership position, God has something to say about it. If you're blessed enough to be part of a local church, God has something to say about it. God has Roles. God believes in roles. God believes in what leaders ought to do. Ephesians 411, as an example. Paul writes, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So God gave our pastors to us. God blessed us with our pastors to feed us, to encourage us, to help us in the edification process. Pastors are an important positions that we as a church must not play with. If you are called to be a pastor, this is a calling to serve. And pastors know blatantly well that it's not a position to toy with. It's not a position to use as just a, t- a title for advancement. Being a pastor, it's a grueling position. It is a tough position. But yet, if you're called to this capacity, God infused with it joy. God gives you peace. God gives you endurance. God meets you during service. God is carrying you while you're going through whatever situation you're going through. If you're called, God can do some Miraculous things through your hands if you're called. If you're not called, then there are signs to look out for. Uh, this the signs of being uh burnt out, the signs of being uh more complaining than encouraging, the signs of uh lacking joy, being short with people. Uh, feeling as though your own personal needs are not being met. There are signs to uh, pastoral um, burdens and pastoral burnouts. So um, not saying that those signs automatically means you weren't called to that position, but we need to keep in touch with the spirit. We need to keep in touch with God to make sure that if he did call us, that he's calling us to the position that we're serving in. That That is so very important. So pastors are God's under-shepherds. They uh, point us to God. 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Peter speaking to the pastors. Watching over them. Not because you must. Meaning that you're not doing it just because it's a rule, but you're doing it because you want to, not because is um, it's a mandate, but you're doing it because you love God's people. You're serving God's people, not to fulfill or check off a denominational assignment, but you love God's people. You have a joy for serving God's people. You have a joy for helping to heal uh, broken relationships. You have a joy for counseling. You have a joy for seeing what God is doing in people's lives. You have a joy for talking to God and praying with God and fellowshipping with God and being sensitive to the spirit. These are the duties and functions of a healthy pastor. You are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest game. This is Peter talking, First Peter five verses two through four, but eager to serve, that's what a good pastor is. They're eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You're not a pastor. A healthy pastor doesn't dominate God's people, doesn't become domineering. A good pastor is not seen as a dictator. A good pastor is not seen as someone who doesn't love people. A good pastor has the attitude and has the joy that overflows. It's evident that they love God's people. It's evident that they themselves are willing to discipline themselves in their personal lives To be held up as a standard. A good pastor stands on sound doctrine and teach in season, out of season. When it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. When it's popular, when it's unpopular. A good pastor leans on the Holy Spirit and is willing to teach and lead God's people in the truth. Not lording over them. Not lording over it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the pastoral position brings with it blessings in this life. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ arrives, they will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Pastors, when we are faithful to our assignments, we will receive. You will receive a crown of glory. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses six through seven. Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants the vineyard and does not eat his grapes? Who tends the flock and does not drink the milk? And this again is dealing with how we ought to treat our pastors. Our pastors serve well, and we must, uh, it's led by the Holy Spirit, we must go above and beyond to show them that we are grateful. Uh, Pastors um, intercede on our behalf. Pastors spend a lot of restless nights listening to our stories and dilemmas. Pastors are on their knees praying for us thinking about us, thinking about our families, thinking about relationships that need to be restored. Pastors are thinking about us. They're praying for us. They are attending to us. Pastors uh, work often on our behalf. So as a sign of gratitude, we must make sure that we take care of our pastors. We must make sure that we encourage them. We must make sure that we're praying for them. We must make sure that we're also showing them how much we love them, not just by lip service, but also taking care of them financially. Taking care of them financially as the church is able to. So make sure that we are looking out for our pastors, that we're taking care of our pastors because they do so much for us. And so in first Corinthians chapter nine, verses six through seven, Paul is just basically laying out an argument. Uh, Is it only him and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? It's a rhetorical question. Even Paul worked. He worked as a tent maker. Verse seven, who serves as a soldier at his own expense. A lot of pastors uh, spend money out of their own pocket to advance the kingdom and to build people up. Well, We shouldn't take that for granted. We should also um, uh, uh, pay them back. We should also take care of them. And um, as much as we are called to do, we should bless them above and beyond, if we can, what we are thinking about. But we should take care of our pastors who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes. Our pastors do get uh, dividends from how, uh, we're growing and how the church is growing and, and, and the joy they see in other people. That's a blessing in itself. and, and so when we're, when pastors pastor, when pastors serve, God blesses them for their service and they see it in the lives of the people that they're leading, the people that they're serving. So that is, is a blessing in itself. That is an indication of the seeds that they planted, and now the seeds are growing and bearing fruit. And then the last part says, who tends to a flock and does not drink the milk? Again, it's using an agric- uh, a farming term, an agricultural t- uh, uh, terminology. Uh, if you put in the work on your farm and do it right, you're gonna see the dividends. You're gonna see, you're gonna reap what you sow, basically. And so when pastors serve us in whatever capacity, And they do what they're supposed to do. Sooner or later, they'll start seeing uh, their fruit come up. They start reaping uh, all of the time that they spend on their knees. They'll see it come to pass. Then the next uh, position in the church is the prophets. The word prophet come from the Greek word uh, prophetes, which is translated as one who speaks forth or openly. In essence, the prophet spoke on behalf of God. And then, as I've always said, there are two types of prophets that we see in the scriptures. There's this concept of foretelling as well as forthtelling. Foretelling is F-O-R-E and foretelling is F-O-R-T-H. And these two uh, concepts of prophesying is basically saying this. Foretelling is when God uses someone to predict something in the future that has never happened before. Forth telling is God is using someone to boldly make a proclamation uh, about something that's going to happen. But with forth telling, everything that is prophesied has to be backed up by the canon of Scripture. Where foretelling, this was uh, relatively new precedence, meaning that nothing had happened like this before. But in forthtelling, telling, that's what we do now. Uh, As present uh, present day people uh, who God uses to prophesy whatever God has given the prophet in today's culture has to be in sync with scripture has to be in sync with scripture has to be in harmony with scripture if anyone comes to you prophesying and it's inconsistent with scripture do not receive them do not receive them you have to reject them because it's not of God no one should be able to come to us and tell us God is saying X, Y, and Z, and it can't be backed up by Scripture. That's not of God. When we look at uh, the Scriptures, we find uh, numerous verses that supports the idea of the prophet, Ephesians 2 and 20. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we learn that there are apostles and there are prophets. And we're not saying that prophets do not exist. We believe they do exist. But what we're saying is, if we have any prophets today, which we should, whatever they prophesy must be backed up by Scripture. Ephesians 4 and 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Once again, we see uh, this, this position of prophets. Note the word prophetess, which is the firm, uh, uh, feminine version of the Greek word, um, and that's P R O P H E T I S, the feminine version of the Greek word prophetess. Uh, the, the feminine version is in, is in a righteous sense, as as an example, used of Anna, Luke 2 30, 36, and in an unrighteous sense, as used of Jezebel, Revelations 2 and 20. So that word can be used. Um, not only in the feminine sense, but in the righteous sense, as well as unrighteous sense. Luke two thirty six. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of per, uh, Pernuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And so it's clear that God uh, uses uh, females also to be prophetess. God uh, used men and women in the uh, office of of prophesying. Revelations 2.20. Nevertheless, and this is the one uh, dealing with the unrighteous uh, version of being a prophet as it relates to Jezebel. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So this is the... Bad version of prophesying uh, when we use the gifts that God has given us for for evil. When we use the gifts that God has given us for our own righteousness versus God's righteousness. Revelations 2 and 20. The next office we want to deal with are teachers. Teachers, teachers, teachers. Now, teachers. The word teachers derived from the Greek word uh, did 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 us which means teacher or one who instructs it is use of both truthful teachers as well as false teachers. So let's look at acts 13 and one. And it says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of t- tongues. If you are a teacher called by God to teach us people, God will make sure that you have the anointing you need to do what you need to do. God will make sure you have the wisdom that you need in order to teach and lead his people. If you're called by God, God will make sure uh, that you have everything you need to be able to study, to be able to uh, get into his word, to be able to understand, to be able to unpack the principles so you can share with other people. When God calls you to be a teacher, it's a unique and important position. You can't play with the position of being a teacher. You hold lives in your hand by what you teach. Teachers ought to be able to study, to show themselves approve of God, a workman who need not be embarrassed but rightly dividing the word of God. That 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 uh, uh, description right there, that adverb, rightly dividing the word of God, is important. We must divide God's word how rightly, which infers that some people can divide God's words uh, incorrectly. So it's important. God holds us accountable as teachers to be able to divide his word accurately. Hebrews 5 and 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And this is an indictment. This is an indictment on those who have rebelled against God. As a result, they're not growing. They're still on Similac. They're still on baby milk. They are still are not able to eat meat. Uh, but they've been in Christ 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, they ought to be teachers, some of them. Uh, Be in a position to be able to tell other people who God is, what the Bible is about, to be able to unpack the scriptures. But they're still on milk. Our teachers, however, should not be that way. Our, Our teachers should be in a position where they can unpack God's word. We're not saying that every teacher that's called immediately gets to know everything. No one knows everything. But what we do as teachers, we study We get to know God better and better. Our understanding broadens. Uh, We start gaining wisdom that can be used for spiritual living. And this is what God is calling us to. Every teacher must be able to handle God's word accurately. Oftentimes, uh, I, I get people that contact me about a scripture that they're dealing with for their Sunday school class. Uh, they, 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 they've wrestled with it. They've looked at commentaries, but it's still not making sense to them. So they reach out to me and ask me to help them make sense of this topic or, uh, the scripture. And I'm happy to do so. If I have, in which I've had that, uh, that happen to me when I'm struggling with a scripture, there are people that I can call and they can give me, uh, sound biblical Uh, advice on how to approach that scripture. So, all of us uh, should be thirsty for God's word, and then all of us should be willing to get in a position where we can unpack God's word, but then God calls us to another level, some of us, to become teachers. You are holding people's souls in your hands. Whatever you say uh, can bring life or can bring damnation. So, it's important that we as teachers, we Learn how to embrace sound doctrine, how to learn the who gaze of God's standard and who gaze is the Greek word for healthy, H-U-G-I-E-S, uh, being healthy and healthy teaching is what God encouraged us to do. Not just teaching. We see a lot of teaching uh, in our communities. We see a lot of teaching on the, on the radio. We see a lot of teaching on television. And not all of them are necessarily healthy. So we have to test the spirit by the spirit. Second Timothy four and three for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say that they're what their itchy, itching ears want to hear. So, again, Paul is warning Timothy uh, that the time will come where people will just preach and teach what. Uh, the congregation wants to hear, not necessarily what God wants them to hear. Uh, they won't talk about hell anymore. They won't talk about sin anymore. They won't talk about, uh, the things that we need to avoid anymore. They, 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 they teach, uh, in a way that makes people excited. Uh, but they're not challenging the people. They're not helping the people. They're giving them milk instead of meat. Well, our time has come to a close and we pray that These episodes are helping you to get a clear understanding of the positions that God has given us inside the church. And if we do it God's way, we can't go wrong. But if we do it our way, uh, it brings in more headache than uh, joy. So we pray uh, that you learn something from these episodes. We thank you all for uh, praying for this ministry we thank you all that support this, this ministry. If you like to give a donation, go on our website. Uh, you can also write a, uh, a donation to SR Ministries, P.O. Box 582306. Now remember, to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time and remember Titus 1 9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too?